You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. The good news and the bad news. First of all, the good news. The Supreme Court of this country, the United States of America, yesterday blocked President Biden's overly broad power grab through OSHA, trying to rule through administrative and bureaucratic fiat, requiring, mandating that all employers with 100 employees or more must require their employees to be vaccinated or else tested twice a week for COVID or else fined $14,000 per violation. The Supreme Court ruled that is not constitutional. That is not correct. That is an overreach. You don't have authority to do that. Congress did not grant these sweeping, overly broad powers to the bureaucracies who are unelected and unaccountable directly to the voters. Biden, you can't do this. No. So that's the good news. The bad news is the Supreme Court declined to stay the health care worker mandate. In other words, for everybody else who's not in the healthcare segment of our economy, everybody else, if your employer requires it of their own volition, which Biden is pushing, he's still trying to urge employers to mandate these things anyways, he just doesn't have the authority to punish anyone if they decline to require this of their employees. Everybody else, though, as long as your employer is not requiring it in and of themselves, carry on as you were. Healthcare workers, though, you stay behind. We're going to have to talk with you. I'm sorry, you're going to have to get this vaccine. You're going to have to. No ifs, ands, or buts. We are not going to stay the healthcare worker mandate. Now, that's for right now. But I really hope that that latter part changes soon, fast, in a hurry. It's not enough that the rest of the country can breathe a little bit easier, particularly if we have religious objections. It's not enough that the rest of us outside of the healthcare industry would be able to avoid the jab or your job dilemma. Healthcare workers should not be subjected to this. Of all people, healthcare workers should not be subjected to this. Whatever happened to trust the science? Trust the science, and by that we mean all of the sciencey people, all of the health science people who have done their research and have concluded this is not for them, y'all are going to lose your jobs unless you get this vaccine. How does that make sense? It, there's a, a kind of rigid ideological conformity 
here. This is not just a vaccine. We all should know that. There's an ideological purge going on here. And on what basis would you say, doctors, nurses, you have to get this vaccine and all of the attendant boosters? Even though the European Union just came out this week and said, just so everybody knows, those who have had three boosters or more may be immunocompromised. Actually, you are hurting your immune system. Imagine that, hurting your immune system to continue injecting this stuff into your body. Try it again, 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 hit it again. Another, another, another. Wait, what? It made you sick? Oh, well, that's weird. That's weird that us injecting (laughs) foreign substances into your body over and over and over again might have a negative effect. That's so weird. It's so weird that gene therapy, radically experimental gene therapy, over and over and over again might actually make you less healthy. Who could have predicted? Well, the sad fact is a whole lot of healthcare workers not only could have predicted, they are predicting it, and that's why they want to opt out. Besides that, you do have the religious concern. How was this vaccine developed? Was it developed in any way, shape, or form with cell lines from aborted children? That's a major concern of mine. You can say, well, the original cell line was from aborted fetal tissue, but of course it's not directly from aborted fetal tissue. They're just replicating that aborted fetal tissue over and over and over again. I'm still not comfortable with it. I'm still sick to my stomach, nauseated, grossed out that we would essentially cannibalize murdered children to try and save our own health. So no, no, I can't in good conscience take your vaccine. For that matter, can you give me a list of all of the other things that have been developed similarly using aborted fetal tissue? This is the great thing about going the route of diet, exercise, de-stressing, get plenty of hydration, work out, get good rest, eat the right foods in the right portions at the right times regularly. I don't have to worry that when I do some push-ups or some sit-ups or some calisthenics that I have in any way, shape, or form been complicit in the murder of unborn children. I don't have to worry when I eat some delicious meal that my wife has prepared for me that some part of this meal actually was put on the table at the expense of an innocent life. The shedding of innocent blood is what made this meal possible. I don't have to worry about that. And consequently, I don't have to worry that when I lay my head on my pillow at night, somehow that is at the expense of the unborn children in this country who've been murdered under the watchful eye of our government by the millions for 50 years. 
the very concerning thing here is when you purge from the healthcare sector in this country, everybody who objects to the COVID vaccines strongly enough to still have not gotten the vaccine to this point. When you purge everyone, all you have left are folks who are in lockstep or else too cowardly to take a stand. If your religious objection, if you had a religious objection and they're saying, nope, the jab or your job, all you have left at the end of the day in your healthcare industry is folks who would rather set their religious concerns aside so long as they keep their job. That has a corrosive effect on the kind of healthcare we can expect to receive, on the kind of medical wisdom we can expect to be applied. Is anybody here involved in this decision to mandate this ever heard of bioethics? You familiar with that term, what it means? Bioethics has a lot to say about forcing healthcare workers, for one thing, to get this vaccine even over and against their better judgment or their conscience, for that matter, to administer this vaccine over and against their objections and their concerns. Besides that, how does it follow that it's an overreach of the federal government for the Biden administration through OSHA to find this workaround to try and force all Americans to get vaccinated against COVID, to participate in this great experiment with gene therapy. And yet it's not an overreach if Biden does it with just one major sector of the economy that we really kind of need if this pandemic thing is a real problem. And which is it, right? Which is it? Either A, the healthcare worker shortage is no big deal because COVID has mostly blown over. We're just kind of getting the trail and the aftershocks, the leftovers of COVID, but it's mostly past. The storm is over, so we don't really need healthcare workers like we did. They're dispensable. Or, if that's the case, why do you need to mandate this vaccine? If it is the case that COVID is such a serious problem that we're going to have to have all of our healthcare workers vaccinated against it or else they lose their jobs, are you doing more harm than good? And besides that, there's this simple basic principle of How dare you force people to inject something into their body against their better judgment, against their wishes, a foreign substance, gene therapy, on pain of losing their job if they don't? How dare you do that? That is sick, if you'll forgive the pun. It's sick. That makes me sicker than COVID. I'd rather get COVID than see... America's healthcare workers forced to choose between 
providing for their families because they have families too. I know a couple here in Greeley, both the husband and the wife are nurses. And the wife early on, several months ago, said, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do the COVID vaccine. And she filed for a religious exemption with a major hospital chain here in Colorado. And at the same time, she started looking for a new job because she didn't know, right? You don't know if your religious exemption is going to be accepted or not. So then she finds a new job and she leaves. They approved her religious exemption, but still, you can't just wait around. We'll see if they approve it, if they don't approve it. Even just being put in the position of having to ask, having to beg and plead, especially if you're doing good work, if you're doing a good job, I know what that's like. You're doing a good job, and then all of a sudden, some new paradigm comes along, which cares not a whit for everything that you had built up, the way you were doing things you understand, and it's going to take probably however many years it took for you to figure out the right way to do things for you to be able to explain to the new management, the new person in charge, the new regime, the new paradigm, why the way you were doing it is actually better than the new way that they want you to do it because they're falling victim to single factor analysis. Everything's got to be centrally planned. Everything's got to be controlled from the top. All these decisions have to be made by the so-called experts. So whoever's got the most seniority, they know best, right? It doesn't matter if they know best how to do your job, just so long as they've got more years under their belt, they've got a better title. When it all comes down to titles and seniority, but we're not being objective anymore because it's about power, we're in a very, very dangerous place. We're in a far more dangerous place than COVID itself could ever put us, particularly with a less than 1% mortality rate for those who contract COVID. I tried to contract COVID from my wife when she had it several months ago. I'm home on quarantine anyway. Let's just get this over with. If I haven't had it yet, I couldn't get it from her. We're not talking, you know, hey, she stays in her room and I just lock her away and then I stay away from her. She's in one part of the house. I'm on a different part of the house. We're just going to, you know, I'll slip some food under the door every few hours, knock and call her name and see if she responds. No, like, screw that. Hey, is this your drink? Okay, cool. I'm going to drink after you. Also, I'm going to give you a kiss. Is that okay? Because maybe let's just get this COVID thing out of the way. The antibodies are better than the vaccine. Let's teach my system how to fight COVID. So either A, my system already knew how to fight COVID because it had fought it and won and I didn't notice or something. But even if I had contracted it, COVID is deadly, fatal for less, far less, not like a little less than 1%, far less than 1% of those who contract it. What a bunch of scared rabbits we are. And what a lot of would-be tyrants, the rest of us. How does it follow that the OSHA mandate gets struck down, but if you're a healthcare worker, we're going to tell you you trust the science or else you're out. 
you're fired. That's sick. That's just sick. I'm glad to see the 6-3 ruling halting the mandate for all private employers with 100 or more workers. That's an unprecedented application of the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970 that you would try to force all American employees of companies with 100 or more folks on the rolls to inject themselves with gene therapy over and against their objections. If they haven't gotten vaccinated by now, they really don't want to get vaccinated. So you're essentially going to force them to either shelve their convictions and all independent thought, all independent decision-making ability, or you're going to put them out of work. Their, their jobs will be destroyed. We've already got 7% inflation, the worst since 1982. You've already got an economy that is on its heels, supply chain issues. I go into the grocery store. I go into Target. I go into Walmart. I see shelves that are barer than they have ever been in my life, except for right when 15 days to slow the spread started two years ago and you were looking for toilet paper. That was insane. That was some craziness. But it was also expected to be very temporary. 15 days? Eh, okay. Here we are two years later, and you've got supply chain issues. Major, major supply chain issues. And at a time like this, you're going to have millions of people thrown out of work. And also, too, how about all the deferred maintenance in terms of people's health care? For two years, if you had a non-essential medical procedure, it may now be an emergency. You're putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And now, now require that all the healthcare workers with a spine lose their jobs. So we only want to keep the worst sort, the most submissive, the most compliant. Nothing could go wrong with that plan. The Supreme Court is right. This should be on a state-by-state -state basis. The trouble for the Democrats is if it were on a state-by-state -state basis, the hemorrhaging of Democrat states with people who have a spine, who still have some decency, some good sense in those states, leaving for Republican states, if they have the means to, if they have the opportunity, not everybody does. There's plenty more people that have sense who just don't have the means or the opportunity. They definitely have the motive, but they don't have the means or the opportunity. But a whole lot more, especially if they lost their jobs, would say, okay, we're out. We're moving to Florida. We're moving to Texas. We're moving to a red state. We're moving to Montana, maybe. We're moving to a red state. Or at least I know I'm free because this is not America. California is not America. New York New Jersey, the way you guys are acting, Illinois, one would imagine this is the Soviet Union prior to the fall. Just like defund the police, threw a whole lot of cops out of work, whether they were fired or they resigned because it was an untenable situation to try and enforce laws. 
with city councils and district attorneys and Black Lives Matter making their work impossible. States like South Dakota and Florida and Texas said, we'll hire you. We're having a huge influx of people. We need more law enforcement. Come to our state. And the same thing would happen with health care. If this weren't national, there would be somewhere for healthcare workers to go. And next thing you would see, next thing you would find out, not only would states like Texas, Florida, South Dakota, Montana, be the most law-abiding, the most prosperous, they would also probably have the best health care. Just saying. I'll tell you this flat out. Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh, if you're listening. I'd be thrilled if you were listening right now. If I'm making a decision for who to go to, as far as doctors, as far as nurses, as far as a pharmacist, as far as an optometrist, it really doesn't matter. Dentist, anybody who's going to do work on my body. My first concern is does this person have integrity? If all that's left is people who care more about making money than they do about what's right or what makes sense, if all you've got left is that, well, then I'm sorry. I'm just not going to go to the doctor because I don't trust folks who care more about money, (laughs) who care more about making money than they do about engaging that gray matter between their ears, between their ears, not delegating all of the thinking to the central committee. Let me check with my local Soviet, Commissar. No, no. We have quite enough of that already, but here's a hot take for you. Maybe just maybe, this is what needs to happen to healthcare, just like the CRT business happened to public education. I've been distrustful towards establishment, mainstream medical practice, standard operating procedure in medicine for some time. And I'll tell you flat out right now, if it's non-essential, and you can't explain to me why we need this in simple terms, straightforward terms, why we need this, not why you want us to get it because it benefits you, not arguments from authority, not arguments from popularity, not red herrings. But if you can't explain to me in simple terms why my wife, my child, myself needs this intervention, this medicine, this medication, this treatment plan, this procedure, we're opting out. We're not going to do it. And so what we've done as much as possible, and I heard Mike Huckabee talk about this when he was running for president, I think in 2012, I think maybe 2008 as well, but he talked about how we need to get away from reactive care, and we need to emphasize preventative care. I I think a few other Republican candidates have recommended this as well, but we need to get away from 
reactive care. We need to move towards preventative care. Instead of treating diseases which are preventable, it's far cheaper, far healthier, far happier, far more prosperous, actually. It's far more beneficial to the economy and society at large for us to try to prevent diseases. Let's emphasize prevention. So I hear that and I think, well, whether you get elected president or not, that proposal gets my vote. And that's the great thing about liberty is you can just say, hey, like, here's what I'm going to try. What a novel concept. In America, what? Home of the free, land of the brave, land of the... How does that go? It's been a while since I heard it. (laughs) Who are we anymore? If you're going to fire doctors and nurses, I think the longer this thing has gone on, the easier it's been for us to forget how scary it was at first when we didn't know a whole lot about it. And yet you had healthcare workers getting in there and taking care of people who for all they know could give them COVID and they could die from it. They didn't know. Those folks, frontline workers, healthcare workers, first responders, all of a sudden they lose their jobs. This needs to change. Of all people, of all people, your healthcare workers should be free to opt out. And make it a, fine, make it a statewide thing. Colorado implements it. Maybe all of a sudden you see a whole bunch of people move over into Wyoming. Oh, look, I guess we get our doctoring done in Wyoming now, just over the border. Yeah, it's an hour drive, but better an hour to go to folks who have the strength of their convictions. I want a doctor, a nurse, who does what they believe is right, and they refuse to go along with something that is medically unnecessary and also super sketchy. Gene therapy? Have we never seen a sci-fi movie? Like... When have you ever seen a science fiction movie in which someone's genetic code is tampered with, their DNA or their RNA, in this case, is manipulated, and it's only good things, only good things ever come from those attempts. We've been on a Spider-Man kick here lately. I suppose you could say in Spider-Man's case, if you're Spider-Man, you don't go stark raving mad, but the odds are not in your favor. It's like everybody else in the Spider-Man universe who gets their genes spliced, manipulated, exposed to radiation, what have you. They not only get super powerful and have an axe to grind with Spider-Man, it seems like they always go insane too. It's weird. Again, what exactly is the difference between, on the one hand, saying... The state owns the means of production, as in communism, collectivism, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, central planning, five-year plans, central committees, on the one hand, full-blown, proud, declarative communism, on the one hand. And on the other hand, your government 
just acting like it owns the means of production. Acting as though it owns all of the corporations, all of the businesses, all of your decisions. So long as your decision might impact somebody else, they get to tell you what you can and cannot decide. That's not freedom. Call it what you will. That sounds an awful lot like communism. The fact that the Biden administration even tried to mandate this vaccine for all companies who have more than 100 employees is deeply disturbing. It's disturbing because it conveys a certain attitude about private businesses held by this administration that they don't respect the freedom of individual business owners, individual corporations, also that they don't respect the freedom of individual Americans. We don't respect your intelligence. We don't respect your integrity. We don't respect your right. In fact, in our view, you have no right so long as we can make a tortured argument that it's in the public's benefit for us to force you to do this other thing, however tenuous. No, 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 no. You, you don't even have the freedom to look at the math and do the math and say, this is a really long shot. I'm doing the cost-benefit analysis. I'm looking at the odds that somebody else be injured by my not getting the vaccine and then getting COVID instead. Say I get COVID and then I give it to them. I'm looking at the odds that anybody is seriously injured by that. And I'm also looking at the odds that I'm going to be injured in my conscience or in my physical body. Either or, both, both and. What are the odds that I'm going to be injured either physically or spiritually by getting this vaccine? And particularly on the merits of my conscience, my conscientious objection here to get the vaccine would injure me. A hundred percent. No doubt. Physically, I see a lot of reports of these alphabet soup, health sciences, public health, bureaucracies, not sure, actually, like the longer we think about it, which is a great reason to wait, but the longer we think about it, and the more information comes in, data comes in, data, 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 the more it looks like people who get this vaccine or that vaccine or their 12th booster shot might actually be injured by that. Actually, this there might be some vaccine injury going on. Yeah. Now, when they say it, it's okay. They're, they're allowed to say it. If you're from the CDC, you're allowed to say it. If you're from the NIH, you're allowed to say it. If you're from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, you're allowed to say it. If you're from the European Union, from the EU, you're allowed to say it. If you're from the drug companies or the FDA, you're allowed to say it. So long as it was signed off on from the top. But... If you're an individual American, post that, comment that, say that. Be very, very afraid. It's sick. It's sick. There's a social rot. The infectious disease here is fear and tyranny. That's the infectious disease, not COVID. John Roberts, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, once again, 
as per usual with him, went with the progressive leftist justices to decide that healthcare workers shouldn't have individual consciences. Brett Kavanaugh also sided with John Roberts and the liberals. Liberals, so-called, you're not being very liberal here. You're being very liberal with the Biden administration. You give them a free hand. Meanwhile, constraining absolutely the freedom of healthcare workers, of doctors and nurses in this country. Harmeet Dillon went on Tucker Carlson's program to talk about all of this. She's representing the Daily Wire. God bless the Daily Wire for standing up against the vaccine mandate, saying they would not comply. I don't think that the fight is over so long as we've got healthcare workers. They wouldn't leave us behind. I think we can't afford to leave them behind. This needs to continue to be challenged some way, somehow. Or else we need to find employment for them or we need to help them in any way we possibly can. It's evil. It is an evil, oppressive, tyrannical thing that a father, a husband, who's a nurse, would have to get the vaccine over and against his objections or else lose his job or else lose his ability to provide for his family. That's an evil thing to me. Take a listen to this back and forth between Tucker Carlson and Harmeet Dillon. I want to bring you a Fox News alert. The Supreme Court invalidated Joe Biden's vaccine mandates for private sector workers. The court found that the Biden administration was using OSHA, that's the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, as a workaround to impose, quote, broad public health measures that are, quote, untethered from the workplace. In other words, he didn't have the authority to do this because he's not God and the Congress didn't pass the law. The court decided that Joe Biden's vaccine mandate for health care workers, by contrast, can remain in place, at least for now. But as it stands, this ruling is a rejection of yet another dramatic overreach from a completely out of control administration that believes it knows more about health and science than doctors and nurses. So the question is, how is the Biden administration going to respond to this? Keep in mind, it was just a few months ago that the White House tried to use the CDC as a vehicle to ban landlords from making their tenants pay rent. What does the CDC have to do with your rent check every month? Nothing. The court overturned that mandate as well. But instead of changing its approach, say, working with Congress to pass laws, which is how a democracy works, Biden who is weak and fearful and highly aggressive as a result, decided on a strategy of haranguing lawmakers and calling them racist. Of course, that's always the trump card. You're a racist. Okay, I'll obey. This week he did it again. He compared senators who disagree with him on the filibuster to the leader of the Confederacy and a segregationist sheriff called Bull Connor. So did that work for him? No. Today, Democratic Senators Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin reaffirmed they're not going to get rid of the filibuster. They would need to get rid of the filibuster for Joe Biden to pass the so-called voting rights legislation that would make it impossible for any state to ask for picture ID before voting. So we'd have national voter fraud forever. That's the whole point of it. So all of this happened after we learned that Biden's approval rating has fallen to 33 percent 
nationally. His numbers among independents and Hispanics are even lower. That's 25 and 28 percent, respectively. This is like a complete disaster at every level for the Biden administration, and it is more precisely a categorical rejection of the way they are governing, of its equity agenda and its rule by decree and its tendency to bully anyone, attack anyone, maybe even charge with a crime, anyone who gets in the way. So where does this ruling leave the Biden administration? Harmeet Dillon is the CEO of the Center for American Liberty. She joins us tonight. Harmeet, thanks so much for coming on. So does this mean that the millions of Americans who are waiting to get fired from their jobs because they won't obey this arbitrary command from the president can keep their jobs? Well, thank you, Tucker. This is a very important ruling, and it is indeed a reprieve for the millions of Americans who work for employers who do not wish to impose this mandate on their workers. But if you work for an employer who already is imposing a mandate based on their own initiative or because of a state rule imposing such a mandate, then you're in a completely different situation. So I represent the Daily Wire, which has over 100 employees, which is the size covered by this. And the Daily Wire took a stand early on said that, saying that they would not comply with what they view as an unconstitutional mandate. And they're very happy today that their workers don't have to do this, although many have voluntarily agreed to be vaccinated. What this is showing us, Tucker, is that, you know, right, right now we have a three to one uh, in terms of the number of the federal mandates that President Biden has tried to push. Three of them have been struck down so far and only the one today with healthcare workers, which I disagree with, but that has gone forward. So 10 million healthcare workers do have to get vaccinated if they wish to keep their jobs in a covered facility, which is really unfortunate given the massive shortage that we have of healthcare workers right now in our hospitals. Yeah, with no, with no help from Brett Kavanaugh, I notice cringing little liberal. Yeah, um, sorry, I'm not right. going to ask you yeah. to respond to that. Um, so so <laughs> um, at this point, you have to kind of wonder, does democracy still exist? Because the mandates that are still in place have been imposed by, say, mayors or governors, not legislatures. I don't think any legislature has passed a mandate, but executives who don't have legislative authority just saying this is now the law. Is that how the country's going to run going forward? It's going to run that way if legislators of both parties don't step forward and stop it. And to their credit, some legislators in some states have done that and they've revoked the emergency authority of some governors. But many more in states like California, New York, Illinois, other states like that, they've been willing to sort of sit back and let the governors take the heat. Now we're two years into this thing. Uh, you know, one, one of the cases hasn't reached the Supreme Court yet. A full quarter of the American workforce works for companies that are federal contractors. So far, that ruling has been blocked. But, you know, with these justices, like you just said, we could see conservative justices on the wrong side of this issue when that case reaches the Supreme Court, which it probably will, given, uh, although right now all the courts of appeals are striking it down. So this is a scary situation. We have unelected judges and, in some cases, unelected uh, health uh, officials in cities who are imposing regulations that govern a significant portion of our economy. This is not a Democratic or even a Republican system of government anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is not democracy. So the mayor of D.C. gets to, like, decide what medicine you take? It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. Quite right. It is crazy. Now, I would mention, this brings up a good point, that segment there. If your hospital, chain of hospitals, 
clinic, chain of clinics, what have you, if your practice accepts Medicare and Medicaid, you have to. You have to get this vaccine, they're saying. So then, presumably, doctors, nurses, healthcare workers who don't want to get the vaccine, who are committed to not getting the vaccine, can work for someone who doesn't take Medicare and Medicaid. So that's a positive, I think, if I'm understanding this right. But again, still, all the same. It's sick that we have to play these weird games. If you accept Medicare and Medicaid, then you must do X, Y, and Z. And what kind of a position does that put people who only have Medicare and Medicaid? It makes them a kind of surf. They're not going to be receiving the best medical care if they can only receive medical care from folks who either A, jumped in on the vaccine business uncritically, or B, held out as long as possible, but shelved their convictions. If they had a religious objection, shelved their convictions because they care more about money. And anybody who would say, well, Garrett, you don't understand, right? You got to provide for your family. No, I do understand. I do. I have really searched my soul over the past several months. What would I do? Because short of this Supreme Court ruling, there was every possibility that this vaccine mandate would hit me. What would I do? If all of a sudden my employer said, we're sorry, we can't afford to keep you on. We'd love to not require this, but we're going to have to see proof that you've been vaccinated because we can't afford $14,000 per violation. We're not paying $14,000. Either get the vaccine, give us proof that you got the vaccine, or we're going to have to let you go. What do I do in that case? And the thing I came back to, the reason I am taking the stance that I am on healthcare workers having to get this, anybody having to get this, is because I look at it and I think to myself, if I'm saying, if I'm saying in my heart of hearts, I have a religious objection to getting the vaccine for one, because it tampers with my DNA and I have an objection to that. I'm not comfortable with that. God gave us this DNA. I'm not, not comfortable with participating in this major experiment to go changing my genetic code or changing the RNA that interprets my DNA, unzips my DNA. Second, and more to the point, far more clear to me, I'm uncomfortable on that other point regarding gene therapy, gene manipulation. I'm uncomfortable on that. I'm still not sure what I think, but in the absence of a clear conscience, I can't do it in clear conscience. That's the whole point. But I'm much clearer on the whole point of aborted fetal tissue. I agree with Doug Wilson that if there were a cause for civil war in this country, it would be over the question of abortion. The fact that our government 
sanctions the taking of innocent life, that millions of innocent American lives have been snuffed out over the past 50 years under the protective and affirming eye of our government tells me that we need a new government. We've got foxes watching hen houses. There is no constitutional right to murder an innocent child, period. You do not have a constitutional right to poison, dismember, brutally murder an unborn child. And then, if you do, you certainly are not in the right to go using the tissue of that unborn child. And I'm sorry if this is graphic and disturbing, but that's what it is. You don't have the right to take that child's broken body and use it to create medicines that are supposed to keep all of the rest of us alive. You know, I said here recently, I was reading Mary Aberstadt's book, How the West Really Lost God, A New Theory of Secularization. And I did finish it. And yesterday would have been the episode that I covered that book in, except that it was episode 300. And I like doing a recap. I've decided that's what I'm going to do. Every 100 episodes, I'm going to take a time out to go over what we've covered in the past 100 episodes. A brief recap. I would have covered Mary Eberstadt's book in this episode, except the Supreme Court ruling on this vaccine mandate is big news. And I know you're interested. I'm very interested. We need to talk about this. We need to wrap our minds around this. What is going on here? There's a, a double-minded quality to striking down the OSHA mandate, but allowing the healthcare workers mandate to proceed apace. There's a double-mindedness there that is as big a story as the majority of us having dodged the bullet. But Mary Eberstadt's book, How the West Really Lost God, informs my thinking on the abortion question contraceptives, our attitude towards family, society, government, in a very useful way. I'm going to have to give a, a better, fuller treatment soon. Hopefully our next episode, we'll see what the news cycle brings. Barring some other major news, that's the plan. But Mary Eberstadt talks about how universally, how we treat our children goes a long way to saying how we're going to treat one another. And I know this is intuitively the case. I remember when my firstborn son, Josiah, was born, taking a walk over to, I think it was Taco Bell, across the street from Miami Valley Medical Center, Miami Valley Hospital in Kettering, Ohio, it's a suburb of Dayton. My two oldest sons were born in Dayton, essentially, Dayton, Ohio, the birthplace of human flight, at least so far as we know. Vimanas uh, notwithstanding, possibly. <laughs> I walked 
to Taco Bell to get some lunch with my brother after my firstborn son was born. And my brother may remember this, but I just kept saying it out loud as if to convince myself that this was real. This is real life. This is my life. This really happened. Like everything is different. The whole world looks different now because my my son, I I have a son. I, I have a son. I kept saying that over and over again. I have a son. Like, I couldn't believe it, right? And I'd been there for his coming into the world, his being born. I have a son. And a weightiness to that influenced the way I thought of myself, the way I thought of my wife, the way I thought of my brother walking beside me. The way I thought of all of my friendships, the way I thought about my work, the way I thought about life. And now, any day now, any day now, Andrew, my seventh son being born, Andrew will similarly change the way that I see the world, change the way that I see life. Each one of my sons and my daughter have changed the way that I see life. And Mary Eberstadt points out that there are few things more tragic throughout human history in all cultures, in all parts of the world, for all time. There are few things more tragic than when a parent loses a child. Parents should not have to bury their children. It should go the other way. Nothing has broken my heart in my life so much as when my wife is miscarried. Three times. Three times that we know of anyway. Once between Solomon and Daniel. Twice last year. Or I should say 2020, not 2021. We're in 2022 now, by the way. I forgot for a moment. But a few things are more tragic. And few things are more reprehensible than when a parent is willing to sacrifice their child to save their own neck, to save their own skin. Few things are more unnatural and depraved and wicked than a parent sacrificing their child to save themselves. I would take a bullet to save my children, and it would never be the other way around, ever. And for the exact same reason, this vaccine mandate, if you're going to try and force me to take a vaccine that depended on a murdered unborn child, No, no. Where does it stop? Well, it stops when we say no, when we draw a hard line in the sand and we say, not on my watch, absolutely not. I'm not going along with that. For any of you who are healthcare workers who shrugged because you weren't all that concerned about the vaccine in and of itself, you don't have those objections, Never had those objections. I don't know what you do with that. As for me, that's a bridge I can't cross. That's a, that's a a line I can't cross. That is my line in the sand. No. There's lots and lots of reasons. That's not the only reason that I object to this vaccine mandate. But the aborted fetal tissue is just a non-starter. I cannot, I cannot participate in that. No. No. For any of you who may be healthcare workers who are affected by this, you work for a 
healthcare network that takes Medicare, Medicaid. You've worked for that outfit for quite some time. Surely you can find somewhere else. Surely. Maybe a disruption. That is one advantage I have over people who've worked for the same company, the same employer for a long time. I know that it's stressful, but I also know that it's very possible. And very often, it is highly lucrative. It is highly beneficial. I've had some employment situations sour. Usually, it's a change in management. That's certainly what it was at ConocoPhillips. My first supervisor, fantastic. Fantastic. That guy genuinely cared about the men under him. He was invested in their well-being, and it showed. And he trusted and he respected the guys that reported to him. And it made a huge difference. And it was an empowering thing. He gets transferred out, sent down to Colorado. We've got new management. And they do not. They do not respect the people reporting to them. And they don't trust the people reporting to them. And they don't care particularly about the people reporting to them. It's all about them. Even their alliances within the company are all about them. So I was very happy to move along. And it didn't work out to be more lucrative right away. But I'll tell you what, I'm doing a lot better now than I would have if I had kept on doing the same thing the past 10 years. And I could have. Some guys do. I didn't see myself advancing there. And I certainly couldn't stay in the position I was. And it worked out. It worked out really well. There's this story in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, about Pharaoh making a decree that every Hebrew boy born alive was to be murdered. Call it what you will. Call it abortion, if you will. Murdered. The technical term is murdered. And the Hebrew midwives lied to Pharaoh when questioned why it was that so many Hebrew boys were being born alive. Oh, all these Hebrew women, they're just so strong. They have the baby before we can even get there. And God blessed the Hebrew midwives. God blessed their families and their households and them for their non-compliance because it was a wicked thing that the Pharaoh was expecting, demanding, mandating. God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the God I serve. I got to leave it there though. Some good news yesterday, some not so good news. It ain't over. Stay tuned for more. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time. God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.